20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 215 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. I am a writer for Cheesehead TV. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Scani Sports. I have a really great show lined up for you today. I'm going to be talking about the best way to attack every position on the team going position by position. Um, Andrew and Kyle actually did a really great job of this on Friday's episode and kind of gave a rating to what the biggest needs were. Today, I'm going to look at with a very special guest, how we can actually fill those needs and some of the best ways to do so. So again, to help me do that, I'm joined by a very special guest. She has a journalism degree from Emerson College. She's done work on the Yes Network for Yankees games. She's contributed to NCAA Frozen Four Regionals, the Fox Sports MLB coverage. She's worked on CBS2 in LA, working with the Lakers and Clippers. She's a weekend sports anchor on WLUC in Michigan, and now she is a sports anchor and reporter for WFRV-TV in Green Bay. Joining me, of course, is the one and only Lily Zhao. Lily, thanks so much for joining. I really, really appreciate your time tonight. Hey, of course. Thanks for having me on, Annie. Yeah, you bet. So I know we got to do some really cool Packers stuff in season. I'm super grateful for that opportunity, but I'm kind of curious. I know there's really no off season, but how has your semi off season been going uh, now that the Packers season's over and we haven't had a chance to really touch base since then? <laughs> well, it's good. And <clears throat> excuse me if I cough a bunch in this, you guys are, I'm coming off a cold. So I, I have a very husky voice, but um, <laughs> there was a tweet I read that, you know, you could be covering the Super Bowl one day and then the next day you're turning around covering you know, like a D2 signing for a kid going to a soccer school or something like that. That's not quite kind of what it's been like, but that's kind of the gist of how things are. Once Packer season is over, we're kind of back into the hang of high school sports, uh, collegiate basketball, obviously at this point, a bunch of, we had a really, really busy day yesterday. So just kind of going off the Packers train and kind of hitting every other sport. So like wrestling, basketball, hockey, that's like our time this year. So it's been a kind of a crazy transition from, you know, covering a pro team to now high school, college kids. But that's just kind of the flow of things in Green Bay when the Packers are out of season. But it's super fun. And it's just kind of we're very well-rounded in Wisconsin, I'll say, considering how well our basketball teams are doing. So that makes me happy. But yeah, I mean, I'm super excited to be on and uh, happy to talk some Packers because it's been a while. <laughs> it, has, it has been a while. So what, which do you prefer more, the grind of the Packers season or some of the minutia of the off season where it's not quite as hectic? You know what? I, I, while people say, yes, you do complain a lot, Lily, during the season, because there are a lot of long hour days. I do prefer that because we have, we have such a set schedule in what we do every single day when we cover Green Bay. And uh, I do like that grind a lot because you're always busy. And I find, you know how people say like when you're on vacation, it's nice for a couple days. And then you're like, well, I'm kind of like, I need to do something with my hands or whatever. (laughs) Uh, That's like me. I'm like, oh, like, you know, it's, it's more lax now, but I prefer the the grind of the season. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I'm the exact same way, obviously from a different standpoint, but I uh, absolutely enjoy every single detail of the season, but it's going to be a really fun off season as well. I think that goes without saying, but I always like to kind of ask uh, our guests stories, you know, how you kind of went from Emerson college to covering the Packers in green Bay for WFRV. Um, I know we kind of went through some of the, the ways that you've got here and some of the work that you've done, but uh, give us a little bit of that story and, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I uh, I grew up in Indiana. I was born in Gainesville, hence why, um, Andy, I know you know I'm a big Gator girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I, I ended up in Emerson, studied, studied broadcast journalism. And then, you know, I've always wanted to kind of do this since I was little. 
my dad introduced me to college football, big Gator person. So, you know, just when you're young and you're like, I kind of want to see myself on TV. I want to talk about sports. And that's kind of how I fell into it. And Emerson's a great program and you learn a lot outside of school. So, you know, I was interning a bunch and then kind of fell into the job in the UP, which to be honest, I did not know where the Upper Peninsula of Michigan was. I love it now. It's a beautiful place for all the people who have never been there. You must check it out. But yeah, I found my way to the UP and then uh, only three and a half hours, three hours from Green Bay. And so obviously like in the UP, Lions fans might hate me, but I feel like it's more 70, 30 Lions or Packers Lions fans. So I was given the, we had got the opportunity to come down to cover training camp. What was it like for me five years ago, which is crazy to say, yeah, like five years ago. I remember coming to Lambeau being like, where do I park? You know, like, where, where's everything? Like, how do they run practice here? But then after getting that opportunity, I was like, you know what? It'd be really cool to cover the Packers. And then luckily we had a, a sister station uh, in Green Bay, aka my station. And so we kind of fell in that way. But that's kind of how I came to Green Bay. It's been four years, which is crazy to say. But it's, you know, when you cover a team inside and out for four years, it's like, I kind of feel like I know everybody which is the nicest part. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you've uh, kind of bounced around a little bit. You've been here four years now, but just so you're aware, you're not allowed to go anywhere else. You are now in Green Bay for good and we're not letting you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So kind of, as I mentioned at the onset, what we're going to do today is kind of go position by position and kind of give our take on what the absolute best way uh, to fill those needs for the Packers is. And maybe that's standing pat and staying with the guys that they already have on the team, maybe adding someone via free agency, the draft, the trade, etc. And again, we know that this uh, could always play out a variety of different ways. And we know if if uh, they fill a need via free agency, maybe they go in a different direction via the draft and so on and so forth. But let's take a look today and kind of figure out what's the what are some ways that Green Bay could fill these needs and you know put some names into spaces and, and see how this could potentially look. Uh, you know, the best way, of course, always to start on a football team is through quarterback. So let's take a look at quarterback first. Team currently has Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Kaiser, and Tim Boyle on the roster. Um, that's it. Those three guys. How would you kind of attack this offseason at the quarterback position? Stan Pat, add someone. What, what are you kind of looking to do? You know what? I feel like everyone's probably going to kind of go against what I'm going to say, but I feel like they should just stand Pat. I mean, I feel like they have a lot more or they have their more urgent needs are outside of the quarterback position. I feel like Deshaun Kaiser, I know he kind of was limited, was not as productive as they kind of hoped he would be obviously coming after Brett Hundley. But I do feel like with Aaron Rodgers, hopefully if he's a hundred percent healthy this year, not like he, he's always injured. I feel like, but if he can kind of play through anything this upcoming season, if they can get him the weapons that they need him to have, I think they stand pat at the quarterback position because there are other urgent needs elsewhere. Yeah, I, I mostly agree with you there. I kind of went in a slightly different direction, but the end result is kind of the same. So I'm really kind of looking for them to add a veteran quarterback for a couple different reasons. The first is this is really Aaron Rodgers' first time having to learn a new offense. He's going to have new coaches, and I think adding a veteran could really maybe be a, a voice for him to kind of uh, shoot some ideas off of and kind of brainstorm together while they're trying to learn this offense together. And I don't need need either of these players to actually go out and make the team. I would be looking to bring them in more as camp guys who could help Aaron Rodgers with kind of some of that development in a new offense, but also maybe just maybe light a little bit of a fire under Deshaun Kaiser as well to say, uh, at least on the surface, hey, Deshaun, this backup 
position isn't yours and you're going to have to really earn it this year. So a couple names that kind of stood out to me were Josh McCown and Matt Schaub. And again, the the name really almost doesn't matter because again, whether they make the team or not at the end of training camp is basically irrelevant to me, but a 40 year old Josh McCown or Matt Schaub who spent 2008 and 2009 in Houston uh, with Matt LaFleur in 2016 in Atlanta with Matt LaFleur could maybe be somebody who would be able to understand the offense a little bit, be a veteran, be someone that's around Aaron Rodgers' age that he could, again, kind of throw some ideas off of. Those would be a couple names that I'd at least be interested in bringing in, uh, again, for the reason of being there with Aaron Rodgers to learn the system, but also light that fire under Deshaun Kaiser. And then if all of a sudden maybe they do play well and Green Bay doesn't feel well with Kaiser, then they can choose between Kaiser and Boyle for that last quarterback position and see if either of them uh, could be that developmental quarterback. And maybe if both of those guys play well too, maybe one of those guys has some trade value as well. So again, not super sexy names by any stretch of the imagination, but I think they could add value at least in training camp. Yeah, and you know what, though, Andy? I do feel like you're right. That Matt Schaub is a pretty good name out there. And I feel like because you pick Matt LaFleur on our show, Green Bay Nation, <laughs> I feel like one of these guys, if if they do land a veteran quarterback, I feel like it might be Matt Schaub for those reasons. And if it is, you are a fortune teller. That's just what I'm going to say right now. You know, the, the only time uh, I'm ever right on these things is when, you know, I have nothing on the line about them. Of course, you know, I'm not making a bet in <laughs> Vegas or anything. I should have put money on LaFleur being the coach. That would have been a lot cooler. But you no, should have. It was still really cool to have that uh, and kind of go back and look at the the Green Bay Nation from when that prediction was made. So that was great. One other name I'll throw out really, really quick. Um, and it, it, just because if nothing else, I really love telling his story. So Luis Perez, who is the quarterback for everyone, San Antonio commanders of the Alliance Football League. So he's got a really, really cool story. So if they're looking maybe to bring in someone from a developmental standpoint, This is somebody who did not play a down of varsity quarterback in high school. Uh, In fact, he was more of a bowler. He shot a perfect 300 score bowling on 12 different occasions. He walked on at Southwestern Junior College as the ninth quarterback on the depth chart. The coach basically told him, we do not need you here. Go home. He's like, nope, I'm staying anyway. So he stayed, ended up winning the backup position out of training camp. Of course, the starter goes down midseason. He ends up throwing two touchdowns in that game in the second half as they win the game. He started every week after that point until he broke his leg comes back his sophomore year, wins the quarterback spot, led the team to a conference title in all-conference honors. He transfers to Texas A&M Commerce, a D2 school, and he redshirts his first year. Two years later in 2017, he completes 70% of his passes for 5,000 yards, 46 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, wins the D2 National Championship, goes undrafted, signs with the Rams, so he knows that Sean McVay offense a little bit, ends up being released uh, right at, you know, basically the the last cutdowns, and again, is now the starting quarterback for San Antonio, and has actually looked pretty impressive. So really, really crazy story, and maybe would be somebody to come in and challenge in that developmental role. So just a random name to throw out there. I like it. Yeah, so you got to look out at his uh, bowling highlights on YouTube. They're really, really crazy. Bowling highlights, that's awesome. I will have to check that out. (laughs) All right, so let's move on. Enough quarterback talk. Let's move on to running back. So right now, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Capri Bibbs, Malcolm Johnson, and LeVon Coleman are on the roster. Where are you kind of looking at the running back position? Of course, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are going to be expected to make the team, but what could they do to improve this position? You know what? I was talking to running backs coach Ben Sermons uh, when, we were, when they were made available to us, and he said, you know what? You know, I asked him, you know, everybody's talking about Aaron Jones as being that electric guy, which he is, but 
no one's talking about him as being a top back. And he said, you know what? Yes, because he's not given as many touches. And we look at Matt LaFleur's offense. I know Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams have to be smiling because they're going to run the football a lot. They're going to like this new offense, I feel like. And that's what Ben Sermon said. He said, you know what? It's a pretty simple scheme. They're going to be able to learn it quickly. They're going to be able to develop. It's year three for these guys, so they should feel comfortable in the system, even though obviously it will be a new system. But I look for these guys to make a big jump in year three, especially if Aaron Jones can stay healthy. That'll be great for his career as well. They want to get him a bunch of touches if they can. But I know the big name out there is Le'Veon Bell from the Steelers. I know that's kind of been the name that, you know, when Packers fans, they see a new shiny object, they're like, we want that. That is... Le'Veon Bell, I, I don't know how he would fit in Green Bay. I, in Green Bay, I know that it would give him Aaron Rodgers one of the best weapons in terms of play action. He would that would be great for him. But in terms of the money, the locker room, all that stuff, are the Packers going to be willing to be to go out and risk to get a guy like that along with Antonio Brown, which I'm sure we'll talk about wide receivers later. But I know those are the big sexy names that are out there right now. But in terms of what the Packers have now with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, I feel like they should stay pat. But I know a lot of people are saying Le'Veon Bell to the Packers makes sense. Yeah, I'm. I'm also with you. I don't. I don't want Le'Veon Bell. To me, that's a, a an added luxury that you don't really need or can't really have when you have so many holes on the roster and you do have two players like Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And I'm always more of the belief that running backs kind of grow on trees and you can kind of get them in a variety of different ways. And again, if even if Matt LaFleur is a much more run-oriented coach than what Mike McCarthy has been, you're still probably throwing at least 60% of the time with Aaron Rodgers. So that leaves, even if you're at a high-end 40% running the ball, if you give Le'Veon Bell 25% of those, that only leaves 15% for Aaron Jones, which seems like an egregious misuse. So I definitely don't you know, don't think they need to go in that direction. I really, really loved the philosophy that Ted Thompson used in his last draft, where he basically took three guys uh, in the later rounds. I know Jamal Williams was a third rounder, so a little bit earlier than that, but basically three, you know, back of the draft flyers. They took Mays and Jones and Williams and just try to hit on one of them. And they mostly hit on two of them. So I I love spending late round draft picks on running backs. Every other position almost never hits. You can kind of get some offensive linemen and some running backs in those scenarios so go take a couple flyers and a couple running backs that you like it's a deeper running back draft and have them compete for that number three spot and and maybe you you know find lightning in a bottle again like you did with Aaron Jones so that's kind of the approach I would take yeah I like it I, I do agree that they need that third person in case like we all know these guys do get banged up as the season goes along so it'll be interesting to see who they bring in for that number three spot if anybody Absolutely. All right. Moving on to wide receiver, Devontae Adams, MVS, Equinemius St. Brown, Jamon Moore, Trevor Davis, T.O. Redding, Alan Lazard. Currently on the roster, Geronimo Allison's a restricted free agent. Jake Kumro is an exclusive rights free agent. Randall Cobb's an unrestricted free agent. And uh, just today, MVS tweeted, he said, no disrespect to anybody and uh, the hard work that they put in, but we have the best wide receiver core in the league, top to bottom, just wait on it. Do you buy what MVS is selling or where are you looking to improve this this roster if not? Uh, I love me some MVS, but I want to see these guys, and in one more year to adequately give that tweet an an, an emphatic like. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Meaning, we obviously know what we have with Devontae Adams, but when you add those those trio of rookies with him, we kind of got a mixed bag of results. Obviously, it's it's the rookie year. They were going to have rookie mistakes in terms of being on the field at the right place, you know, coming back to the ball. Because, you know, when you're running a route with Aaron Rodgers, 
It's just not the one in the playbook. There's a bajillion routes because he scrambles, like we all know. So uh, I do want to see these guys in another year with Devontae Adams as number one. But the question is, you know, do they bring back Randall Cobb in the slot? If they don't, I feel like that's where they have to get somebody in the draft to kind of fill that role. I know Marquise Brown, the guy from Oklahoma, was kind of the big name thrown around there because the guy could be like the next Tyreek Hill or, or you know, the, one of those big names out there. But I feel like the Packers have a good core with those young guys, but it doesn't add any harm to bring in a free agent. I know Antonio Brown is the big name that people kind of want to come to town or go in the draft and get a guy from like the guy Brown from Oklahoma that would add some devastating speed to this offense as well. And I'm kind of excited to see where this group goes because at this point they do need to bring more people in. Totally agreed. And this is really one of the more intriguing positions for me heading into this offseason. I love, obviously, Devontae Adams as the one. MVS and EQ, I think, both have a lot of developmental potential. And I'm really good with them in the number three and the four spots. But then it gets really interesting. So you could bring back a Geronimo or a Cobb and, uh, you know, somebody that Aaron Rodgers is very familiar with. You could go in free agency and try to really upgrade and get a better number two position, but you're probably going to really overpay for somebody that's really not that good. John Brown is somebody that maybe kind of stands out to me. You could trade for an Antonio Brown, but there's always that locker room question and how he's going to fit in with the team. You could spend a a top draft pick on it, but uh, receivers, as we know, generally take two or three years. And, uh, you know, Tyler Merritt, who we had on the the Tennessee Titans offensive lineman, I talked to him and he said in this Matt LaFleur offense, one of the toughest positions to learn is the receiver position. So if you're bringing in a a rookie who, you know, is going to take some time, it might even take more time because of this offense. So... I'm I'm intrigued at how they're going to fill this position. I think they can kind of stand pat a little bit, um, but I'm I'm nervous about that approach because the moment Devontae Adams would have an injury, you're really really short at that position then because you don't have a guy that's close to being a number one. So I don't have a, a perfect uh, you know scenario here of what that I think they could attack. I really love that they hired Elvis Witted. I'm really excited about that, and I think he could really bring even Devonte at one more step up. And I think he can really develop EQ and MBS and hopefully Jamon Moore. But it, it's uh, it's an intriguing position. Yeah, it really is. And I just wanted to get your thoughts, Andy, quickly. It's just weird for me to answer questions because I'm always asking questions. But I, I know everybody wants to know about Antonio Brown will he come in because they want they know Aaron Rodgers wants to win now. But do you think the risk the Packers should just take a risk and get him even with the money? Or is the risk just not there? They should move on. They have other needs. I'm just curious to see your thoughts. Yeah, we should have switched this. I should have let you host. You are much, <laughs> much better at hosting than I am. So I think with Antonio Brown, I've held the same stance for a couple of weeks now, and that's my my gut says no. If all of a sudden I wake up tomorrow morning and I read the tweet that they went and traded for Antonio Brown, it's really tough not to be excited, right? So, like, he's just so incredibly talented. And if Brian Gutekunst and this front office trusts that they can bring in Antonio Brown and uh, that he would mesh well with the team, and that's what Matt LaFleur feels comfortable with, like, obviously, they're really going to do their homework and they're really going to vet it out. So if all of a sudden they trade their second or third round pick, something like that for Antonio Brown, like I said, it's going to be really tough for me not to be excited. But 
my, my gut would say that that's not something that they would do. Um, Zach Cruz posted on Twitter the other day, and I agree with him wholeheartedly as well. It's really tough to imagine a general manager that jettisoned Demarius Randall so quick for some of those locker room antics, jettisoned ha-ha Clinton Dix and cut Whitehead after he had a personal foul in a game. If you're trying to rid your locker room of those type of players, Antonio Brown's probably not the guy you're being aggressive to go out and get. Exactly, and that's what with – what general manager Brian Gutekunst wants to have in the culture of his locker room, I do agree with you. Brown most likely will not fit in that mold. Yeah, so we're on the same page there. All right, moving along to tight end. They have two total tight ends that are actually on the roster at the moment, Jimmy Graham and the famous Evan Bayless. Uh, I'm, even with <laughs> all the study I do, I have no idea who Evan Bayless is, and that's very rare for me to say. Robert Tanyan is an exclusive rights free agent, and Lance Kendricks and Mercedes Lewis are unrestricted free agents. So they're going to have to do something here without question. What's the best way to go about doing that? You know what? I know you love Robert Tunyon, right? Is that you who loves Robert Tunyon? Robert Tunyon. <laughs> right. I know. I do feel like they do bring Jamie Graham back. I know he struggled a, a bunch last year, even though he said, he even said, you know, my numbers suck uh, last year. But I do feel like the Packers bring him back for one more season under Aaron Rodgers. But I do feel like this is a position where they go out and get some someone in the draft, particularly maybe with their couple of their first round picks. Obviously not with both, but maybe at pick 30 maybe actually in the second round at 44 they get a tight end I know the two Iowa guys are very high on the list but you know where will they fall do you have to kind of give a a pick to kind of get a tight end high in the draft but I feel like in the draft is where they're going to find a tight end and they need one of those playmakers because this has been an experiment the Packers have been going on for the past three four years ever since they let Jared Cook go and they have not found that guy yet so is this the year where they can find somebody in the draft to do so I think it is I agree with you. And I've said for a few weeks now, I think that they will take a tight end between either pick 30 or pick 44. And maybe they move up, maybe they move down a little bit somewhere in that range. But this is a a pretty deep tight end class. And I do think they will pick somebody in that range, whether it be a a Noah Fant or an Irv Smith Jr. I also mentioned today, I just did a really big tape study on TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant. And uh, I did mention today that if all of a sudden TJ Hawkinson falls below pick 20, and at the moment, it's kind of looking like like he won't, but we'll kind of see how that happens. But if he does, if he gets past pick 20, Green Bay's at pick 30, pick 30 plus their third round pick should theoretically get them to 21 or if he falls further and further down the list. That's a trade that I would absolutely love to see them take a look at. I'm not big on taking tight ends in round one. It kind of goes against my philosophy, but to me, TJ Hawkinson is a very, very special player who fits very well within this offense of what Matt LaFleur wants to do. And for that reason, I would be willing to be aggressive. They've been aggressive in free agency for three years at this position, and they've basically struck out, say, for the last half of Jared Cook's uh, season in Green Bay. So I'm willing, willing to take a little bit more of a gamble and try to get that guy through the draft than continuously spending a ton of money on tight ends that don't work out in free agency yeah I agree and I do feel like if they can get someone like Hawkinson or Fant I think those guys like you mentioned fit very well in the system and it'll give Aaron Rodgers kind of a guy who could maybe start immediately you know just the opportunity to kind of get some catches down the stretch but I do feel like this is the position where they could really have to hone in in the draft and get somebody of good quality because they have not had anybody Outside of Jared Cook, like you mentioned, the second half of his, of his one-year career here in Green Bay, that's really made a difference since Jermichael Finley. 
Yeah, and, and to clarify very quickly, I know I'm a big Robert Tanyan guy, but I'm a really big <laughs> Robert Tanyan guy in that number three tight end position. I was disappointed that when the season was kind of over last year that they didn't give him more time with the, the starting offense because I thought that would have been a great opportunity to see, hey, maybe this guy could be a number two tight end for us. And now you've got to go through preseason and, and really uh, training camp to see if he could maybe be that type of guy. And, and he probably can't. Again, he's probably more of a number three, and it, he certainly is no – uh, lock to even get a contract or make the roster but I do like him and I think he would fit well in that number three tight end spot yeah I agree with you there too all right offensive line this is a certainly going to be a tough one and it certainly covers a variety of positions but currently Corey Lindsley David Bakhtiari Brian Balaga Lane Taylor Nico Saragusa everyone's favorite Gerhard DeBeer Jason Spriggs Alex Light all currently on the roster Adam Pankey an exclusive rights free agent Byron Bell an unrestricted free agent Lucas Patrick and Justin McRae also exclusive rights free agents and then of that uh, kind of cloud that hangs over Cole Madison a reserve did not report and uh, you know no no sign of him coming to camp anytime soon so that's kind of where the offensive line currently stands anyone that kind of stood out to you or, or a direction you'd like to see him go you know what? I want to give you props, number one, for pronouncing all the names right, because it's very <laughs> difficult with a bunch of these guys. But you know what? I feel like the left side of uh, left, left side, excuse me, of the line is fine, obviously, with Bakhtiari and, and uh, Lindsley at center. It's just that right side that we kind of have to worry about with the guard and the tackle position, especially if Brian Balaga does not come back. I know he's at his kind of his prime, and in terms of age, he's always got a bunch of injuries. Do they bring him back? That's the question. Do they bring him back at a lower rate as well? Also, right guard, that's kind of been a struggle for the team the past couple of years. But as we all know, free agency is before the draft. So there are a couple of names that I know have kind of been uh, thrown around. So Quentin Spain, I know he was with the Titans, familiar with Matt LaFleur. He could be a guy that they can kind of plug and chug in there. Uh, Ramon Foster. Uh, there are quality free agent guards out there that the Packers could target. So I feel like their best option in terms of just bringing somebody in that could potentially start if these guys are either not brought back or they're injured still, would be a guy through free agency. But obviously throughout the draft, there are a lot of names that they could go for as well. But I feel like this is a position that they could kind of bolster the line via free agency. Yep. And uh, I'm... I'm looking for value through the draft. So if they get to a position where they're, they, uh, you know, find a really great value and they can't pass up on them. I don't care what pick it's at. I'm willing to take a, a risk and hopefully it's somebody who could fill in for Brian Bulaga long-term if he misses some games this year, which he probably will. Um, you know, again, he could fill in in a pinch, maybe be a swing tackle. So, and then on, on day three, you know, again, take flyers on linemen and hope they, hopefully they can fit in somewhere. I really do like Alex Light. I think he's got the an opportunity to be a dark horse candidate uh, for somebody who could maybe push for some playing time. But if there's one position where I think they could maybe look to a veteran stopgap and, and maybe a, a mid-tier type free agent offer, I think it's that right guard position. It was abysmal a season ago. And if they even get an average player, they're going to see a massive increase in play from that offensive line. And a, a guy who stands out to me who I think will be released, he's on our roster right now, former fan favorite, uh, TJ Lang. Um, I would really be interested if, if Detroit does release him to bring him back. I think he's got at least two good years in him. I know he's had some injury issues, but yeah, I think he would fit right back in with this offense with Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I think he'd be a leader on that offensive line. And, and again, just kind of fit back right in with Bulaga and Lindsley and Bakhtiari like, like he never left. I agree. And the thing is, you know, the Packers, outside of letting those guys go, you know, TJ Lang and Josh Sitton, they haven't really gotten – a quality guy at 
along the line outside of Bakhtiari and Lindsley. So if they do bring back TJ Lang, he would obviously be a great fit because we've seen guys like Jason Spriggs and Kyle Murphy, you know, they're, they've struggled along the offensive line. And the thing is though, I know that was kind of a, a line of contention this season in terms of the production because of how many times Aaron Rodgers was hit, sacked, all that stuff. The offensive line was very porous. So this is obviously one of the big, big parts of need for this Packers team in the offseason to address, especially on that right side. And I think I think they have the tools to get it done because if they can't protect Rodgers this year, I mean, how many more years does he have left, right? Exactly. And, you know, right tackle is really such an underrated, uh, you know, need for this team because they are insanely hard to find. You are not going to find starting caliber tackles in free agency unless you way, way, way overspend uh, or give up, you know, you know, big draft capital for. So if they don't find a replacement for Brian Bulaga this year so that they can, he can take over for him next year, they're probably going to have to overspend and take a player in the draft completely based off of need, or again, massively overspend via trade or free agency next year. So that's a, a really underrated position to take a look at. I agree with you. All right. Defensive line. So Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, of course, anchoring the middle of that defensive line. Tyler Lancaster, James Looney, Montrevis Adams, Dean Lowry, Eric Cotton and Dion Simon, all currently on the roster. Big Mo Wilkerson is an unrestricted free agent and Fadol Brown is a exclusive rights free agent. So Stan Pat, trade free agency or draft, where are you headed? You know what? I do like where this D line is headed. Um, So I'm going to say Stan Pat, mainly because of the guys behind them. That's where I feel like this this defense has more of a need. You know, just talking to Jerry Montgomery, the D-line coach who was retained by Matt LaFleur, you know, he said, obviously, the big point of the, the biggest issue on their D-line was their injuries. I mean, you kind of had these guys that you thought were going to be mainstays on the defense just kind of whittle away, whittle away at the end of the year, and you kind of have nobody left. And obviously, you know, Kenny Clark did not finish out the year either. So I think with what he has coming back on that line, I think they're going to be fine. Obviously, it wouldn't hurt to add somebody via free agency or the draft as well. But I think with what they have right now, they should be okay. 100% agreed. You know, don't pass up on value if you can find it. But Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels will anchor anchor the middle. And I really love the the young guys and think they can step up in a, in a pinch. Tyler Lancaster, I was impressed by. James Looney has some really cool skills as a pass rusher if he can develop them. Montrevious Adams started to come on a little bit, at least as a, a stopgap if he would need to be played. And then, of course, Dean Lowry is very, very solid as well. So 100% agree. Edge rusher. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, this this may take a while for both the Packers and for us to discuss, but they have three total guys who are actually under contract right now for next year. Kendall Donerson, Kyler Fackrell, and Nick Perry. And of course, Nick Perry very easily could be released in the next month here. So that'll be the first thing that's uh, going to be really needed to keep an eye on. But uh, Clay Matthews, unrestricted free agent. Reggie Gilbert's an exclusive rights free agent. Where do the Packers go to rebuild this position that's very bare at the moment? Oh my, you know what? I feel like I've been saying edge rusher is the Packers number one need for the past three years. And it still hasn't been addressed um, in terms of quality of position. I know the past year we were like edge rusher, edge rusher, and Goody goes out and gets two corners, which obviously we know Jair has done extremely well. But I feel like this year when you have the opportunity to get two first round picks, you've got to get a guy with maybe with hopefully your top pick as edge rusher. I know free agency is there. There are some free agents you could potentially snag, but if you want a guy that you can develop, make your own kind of kind of put them through the ranks and get there. I feel like you got to get a guy via the draft. I know Ja'Kai Polite obviously is the big name that 
everybody's been talking about out of Florida at number 12, if he's still on the board, which we hope he is, because if you think about it, Clay Matthews, he, he's headed to free agency, like you mentioned, and the Nick Perry could potentially not come back. I mean, that's a glaring, glaring need for the Packers. If you get a guy like Polite, he had 11 sacks, school record time, six forced fumbles this past season, he gets after the football. And that's what uh, outside linebackers coach Mike Smith emphasized. He wants these guys to get after the football. The Lions, or not, sorry, the Lions, the Bears, Khalil Mack was obviously the impact player for this team. The Packers need somebody of that caliber, of that quality, that can make a difference on this defense because they haven't had that the past four or five seasons, in my opinion. Yeah, totally agree. I have a very technical term for the approach that for the Packers this offseason, and that is the kitchen sink approach. Uh, yeah, take yeah. the kitchen sink approach at the edge position. Look for trades, look for free agents. Definitely look at that number 12 pick in the draft to try to add a top end edge rusher. And then, you know, really even look for value in in any way, shape or form that you can. A name that sticks out to me, a, a guy that I really liked in the draft and friend of the podcast, Justice Mosqueda, was really, really high on. And he does an amazing job evaluating edge rushers. That's Derek Rivers from the Patriots. He was a third round pick a couple of years ago. Uh, they barely used him this past year. He had 97 total snaps. He's been a stud in preseason. He struggled a little bit in games. I think a lot of that's due to not getting any sort of specific playing time. So I would maybe try to see if they could move a day three pick over for him since they're not using him anyway. Of course, he'll probably they'll probably keep him and it'll be a pro bowler for him next year knowing the Patriots. But uh, that would be somebody that I'd maybe look to look at at the uh, from a bargain bin standpoint. But again, throw the kitchen sink at it and, and do everything you can to improve this position. Yeah, that's right, because if the Packers can't find anybody outside of Kyler Fackrell to be your leading sack rusher, I mean, Fackrell's obviously developed, but they want somebody who can make that immediate impact. I know we were talking about Reggie Gilbert during the preseason, but he only had two and a half sacks this past year. The thing is, though, that, yeah, you're right. The Packers have to throw the kitchen sink at this position. They need somebody who can make an impact, whether it's via free agency or hopefully throughout the draft, they can snag one of those top guys. That's going to be very, very important this year for Goody to kind of get that number one guy off the board, and hopefully it's an edge rusher. Agreed. All right, taking a look at linebacker, Blake Martinez, Antonio Morrison, Oren Burks, James Crawford, and Brady Sheldon on the roster. Jake Ryan's an unrestricted free agent. They could potentially look at Josh Jones as kind of a nickel-dime linebacker as well. What are you looking at here? You know what? I, I think they're okay as of now. I know Jake Ryan, he obviously missed the entire year due to injury, and he's a free agent as well. If he re- re-signs, though, they, he's not exactly a game-changer at the position, but with Blake Martinez – obviously is one of the leaders on the team. I think they should be okay at that position. I think obviously outside linebacker is more of a bigger need, but inside linebacker, they should be okay. But they could always use some more guys, but I think this is one of the positions where eh, they could be okay, but it doesn't hurt to get somebody else. We are 100% on the same page for this position. I don't really, this position doesn't move the needle. These players don't move the needle for me at all. I'm not huge on Blake Martinez. Morrison's really good in the box as a run stuffer. Burks has a long ways to go. Uh, but I would move Josh Jones to line, that nickel dime linebacker full time to try to give somebody again who can do a variety of different things from that position. He was a heat seeking missile as a blitzer when given that opportunity. And I still can't get that Bengals game out of my head from two years ago. Where he was <laughs> the best player on the field that day. So got to find a way to maximize his talent. I think that's the best way to do that. 
And again, if a, if a great value falls the Packers way, don't overlook it. But there's so many needs elsewhere. This linebacker position will be in okay hands with Martinez, Morrison, Burks, and Josh Jones until they can upgrade it in the future. But I wouldn't uh, spend a lot of capital on that position right now. Yeah, totally agree. All right, cornerback, another really interesting one. Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Josh Jackson, Natrell Jamerson, Tony Brown, Will Redmond on the roster right now. You could put Tremont Williams in that category as well, depending on if you want to play him as a corner or safety. And of course, if you want to keep him around. Uh, Bashad Breland's an unrestricted free agent. Devon House is an unrestricted free agent. Where are we heading here? You know what? I think they're also okay at this position. I feel like the bigger need is at safety. Cornerback, if they do bring back Bashad Breland and uh, a couple of those other guys, I think they should be okay with what they had, especially with what they drafted last season. I'm intrigued to see what Jair Alexander can do in year two as the cornerback. And the thing is, though, we knew we kind of saw flashes of it last year when he was a rookie, but I feel like his potential for that year two jump, like Mike McCarthy used to mention, is obviously there with Jair. I think they're going to be okay at the cornerback position. Safety is where I'm kind of looking more towards as an area of need. Yeah, I, I know that, uh, you know, one of my jobs with this podcast and when we go on Green Bay Nation is to analyze things. I really have no idea with this position. Like, I feel like they need to add one more big guy, but um, I'm not really keen on them spending a, another first or second round pick on a corner. Um, they've done a lot of that lately with, you know, mixed results. Um, I'm not really keen on them spending a ton of free agent money when there's really not any great corners out there. So I, I'm, I, I'm a, I tend to agree with you to stay pat at the position, but at the same token, you know, Josh Jackson didn't do a ton for me. I know it was just his rookie year and he did flash a little bit more towards the end of the season. Uh, Kevin King's con- you know, kind of constantly been banged up. We know that Jair Alexander, as well as he played, he did hit a little bit of a rookie wall last year. And he also, I know it was his last year in college, but the last two years, years now has also not been able to finish the season. So I do have maybe more concerns at that position than maybe some other people have, but I I also just don't know that there's a lot of really great options. If for some reason, and I don't see this really happening, but if for some reason Patrick Peterson or Jalen Ramsey actually would become available, I know Peterson was asking out last year. He's kind of rescinded on that a bit. Jalen Ramsey, the Jaguars seem to be maybe at least contemplating shopping him a bit. I would be a little bit more aggressive and maybe trying to get somebody like that. But I, again, I don't really see that happening. So I, I, my, my end result is I have no idea. I think, but I do think they may need to do something. Yeah, I, I do too. It's just, you know what? They've obviously spent a bunch of draft picks on this position the past couple of years to yield. So, so results, obviously Jair, you know, kind of changed that, but, you know, adding somebody at that position could not hurt. Uh, but whether or not they do that with the other needs that they have this year is yet to be seen. All right. So we're pumping through here. Safety is next. Again, potentially Tremont Williams here, but then really, really bare cupboard again. Raven Green, uh, you know, who looked okay in, in some limited action last year before getting hurt. And then Trey Matthews, Jason Thompson. Again, you could put Josh Jones here. I like him a little bit more in that linebacker role. Ibrahim Campbell is a restricted free agent. Kentrell Bryce, a restricted free agent. And then Eddie Pleasant is a unrestricted free agent, and he should stay that way. Um, thoughts <laughs> on the safety position. Oh man, there's uh they uh the Packers need some help here. I mean, they let Morgan Burnett walk, they let Haha Clinton Dix walk mid-season last year. Josh Jones, I mean Raven Green, th- those guys control Bryce like you mentioned, they haven't really shown that they can be that effective starter, game-changing starter that the Packers need. So, when you if you talk about free agency first, I know the big name that's out there is Earl Thomas. You know, I I know that everybody kind of wants to see him in green and gold. 
Uh, Earl Thomas, Adrian Amos from the Bears, those are probably the two biggest free agent names they could see the Packers potentially looking at. But in terms of the draft, I know the big name out there is Deontay Thompson from Alabama, the safety along with Florida's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I think those guys, if you can get them within the draft, then maybe the first four picks that you have, these guys can maybe make a difference. But I'm intrigued to see if Goody does take a dip or take a chance at Earl Thomas or Adrian Amos because if you add a veteran like that on the back end of this defense, that could be a game changer for this team. Because I know, again, I keep talking about Khalil Mack, but the Packers need one splash free agent signing, and I'm curious to see if they can get one this year. Maybe, hey, it's Earl Thomas. Uh, yeah, again, we are 100% on the same page. Earl Thomas is the guy for me. If they're going to attack one player aggressively this offseason, I really want to see them take a look at Earl Thomas. Now, I've been not so blessed in the past two years to have to watch some really, really bad safety play uh, week in and week out when breaking down the tape of the Packers film the last two years, and it left a lot to be desired. Well, this past week, I threw on some Earl Thomas tape from even this past season, so even 30-year-old-ish Earl Thomas And the difference was just mind-numbing. So his anticipation and his quickness and his ability to read offenses, it is unbelievable and just absolutely remarkable what he's able to do as that single high safety on the back end. He can do so many things that cover so many ills for a defense. He's going to be able to be that leader in the back of the defense that's going to help some of those younger corners with that communication. And uh, again, even if he loses a step, his ability to anticipate routes and anticipate what quarterbacks and offenses are doing is going to help him in this defense tremendously. I know he's going to cost a, a nice chunk of change, especially for a safety. And uh, again, there's going to be a lot of teams that are pining for his services. And if all of a sudden it gets to that four to five year range on the deal, you're looking at having to potentially pay him big money when he's 35 or 36. And that's troublesome without a a shadow of a doubt, but I'm willing to throw some money at him. We've seen some safeties that have that type of ability, whether it be an Ed Reed and Eric Weddle, uh, Charles Woodson, a Rod Woodson safeties that play at that level can play in this league, even well into their thirties, even at 35, 36. So I'm willing to throw some money at him. I'm willing to throw some years at that deal because he can completely change this defense and do everything that Mike Patton wants to do and open so much uh, for being aggressive on the front end because he's on the back end. So I'm hundred percent all in. I would absolutely love it. And I hope that they go in that direction. Yeah. Cause my, my ideal scenario though, for this defense is that they can get somebody quality wise within the draft for an edge rusher, get a guy like Earl Thomas on the back end via free agency. I mean, I feel like this defense is going to take a 180 uh, in terms of production and even look next year. I, I Those guys would be game changers for this team, and it's really up to Goody to get them. But, I mean, the man's smart. I know they're probably going to look at them, but the, mon- the question is money. Are they going to be willing to pay him? But if they want the production and they want this defense to be as good as it can be, it would be smart to pay a guy like Earl Thomas. Completely agree. And I know my 40 time is a little bit worse than Rich Eisen's, but I feel like if Earl Thomas and I played safety together, it would be one of the best safety duos that the Packers had in the past two years, just based on Earl Thomas. So, um, you know, they could put a lot of people next to him and that safety position would still be good because you could play Josh Jones in a box because you've got Earl Earl Thomas at that other safety. So it just opens up a lot of possibilities that I really find intriguing. Totally agree. The big position everyone's talking about, of course, is special teams. Uh, So anything that they need to do, do you have any really hot special teams takes for today? 
Uh, you know what? Not really. I, I'm just kind of intrigued to see what Sean Meninga can do because, as we all know, this team had 26 penalties in special teams last year. It was the worst in franchise history in a year or in, in a decade. And the thing is, though, I feel like every time you watched a kickoff or a punt, you were like, a, a flag's coming, you know? I think what they, what they got at J.K. Scott, obviously he kind of had some rookie mistakes last year. He had a punt blocked, but he did average about, I think it was 46 yards per punt, good for 11th in the NFL, which isn't too bad. Um, and obviously they have Mason Crosby. I feel like they need to bring him back. Not a lot of guys can kick in the frozen tundra as well as Mason Crosby did. I know he had that really, really bad game in Detroit last year where he missed five kicks, but, you know, everybody has their bad days. But Mason Crosby – they got to bring him back. J.K. Scott, I think he has room to improve. I'm just curious to see what Sean Manigan can do with the guys on special teams once this roster is finalized to be aggressive as he wants to be, but also play smart where you don't get penalized. I'm intrigued to see how he can kind of turn the special teams unit around because if you look at it, offense, defense, special teams, Sean Manigan has the biggest job to do, in my opinion, is to get the special teams unit back to the way it hopefully should be. Because if the Packers don't have a special teams unit, they don't have a guy that can return kicks like Trevor Davis, they're going to be in a world of pain like they were last year. Shamaninga's in the best spot because you can't get worse than they <laughs> than they were a season ago. So he he only has one direction to go in. He's sitting in a, in a really great spot where even if they finish 28th, it's going to look like a huge improvement. So uh, he's in a pretty good spot. The only position I'd look to bring some competition in here would be long snapper. I, I have no huge long snapper takes, and I'm certainly not going to give you any names. And I'm certainly not going to spend any time scouting long snappers, but I do think they need to bring in some competition for Hunter Bradley because there were some snaps that were just a little bit off and I think that had a little bit more to do with some of Mason Crosby's struggles than maybe was let on a season ago. So that's my huge hot take for the day is that Hunter Bradley needs competition. <laughs> oh, I do agree with you. I mean, that's really been the position on special teams that's kind of been wishy-washy the past couple of years is, is long snapper. You're, you're right. But I wanted to hear some names, Andy. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I got nothing for you. I, could, I can name some long snappers, you know. Okay. Trent Sieg was an off an undrafted free agent a season ago who was on the Raiders. You know, they got to go get him. I'm, I'm going to go with that. That's, that's my long snapper take. Okay, I like it. All right. Uh, we were going to get to some fan questions, but we are running very long on time. So we are unfortunately going to pass through those. But uh, anything else you wanted to touch base on today, Lily, before I let you go? Uh, no, this is it. I mean, it's it, hey, Andy, it's super fun to chat with you. I mean, guys. Andy on Green Bay Nation killed it this year for somebody who, was it your first time on TV? My first time on TV, yes. Since uh, since the commercial I did when I was four years old, uh, that was my first time on TV since then. Oh my God, seriously guys, Andy killed it on TV. I mean, it's, look, look, it's it's hard to be articulate and knowledgeable and be able to talk off the cuff on TV, but to do it as your first time, you killed it. So, I mean, you're fantastic on Green Bay Nation. It's obvious, it's awesome to talk to you again especially talking Packers football. So this was, this was fun. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking a chance on me. I had a, a ton of fun doing it and I uh, would love to do it anytime. So thanks so much for that opportunity. I owe a lot to you and, and greatly appreciate it. Of course. All right. So thanks so much for coming on. This was absolutely awesome. We should absolutely do it again sometime. I know that does it for today. Uh, you know, make sure to listen tomorrow as Jake and Ross uh, bring you the next edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Uh, we'll have you covered for all things free agency, all things NFL draft. So make sure to keep it here, listening every day to the Pack-A-Day podcast. Make sure to subscribe, review where you can, follow us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day podcast. But until next time, for Lily Zhao, I'm Andy Herman. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Pack Go. the 16 of New York. 
First down, goal to go. Rodgers in the shotgun. Williams to his left. Here's the snap. Rodgers clean pocket. Throws the middle of the end. And a dagger. They beat Morris Playboard. To the back line of the end zone. The Packers have won it. Snap to Wild. Oh, yes. And taken by Jackson in the end zone for a touchdown. Geronimo and what's by Geronimo Allison. Josh Jackson, the rookie, recovers at the end zone in a Lambo lead to the north end zone stands. The Packers have a 6-0 lead. Pepper on third down of three in the shotgun. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Pepper looking. Here as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline. And intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Snap to Rodgers looking right. Throws the right side. Deep Brown makes the catch. Nice Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all 6-5 of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds. Inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Hunter Bradley the snap. J.K. Scott down to one knee. Arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Mason Crosby delivers the dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. Third and five, 13-yard line of Atlanta. Snap, Ryan, looks right, goes right down, intercepted to the house, Bishop Freeland, touchdown, Green Bay Packers. 19-yard interception return, and it's 16-7, Packers. Rodgers looks it over, takes the snap, blitz on, they pick it up, Lofting they got him, they got him,